Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard, award-winning broadcaster, narrator, and author of the Jessica Ramirez Thrillers. Brought to you by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks, Lisa. By the numbers, only a tiny percentage of authors are able to create a brand and the associated canon of creation to earn a living solely from writing. Kirsten Modlin is one of those few. With over 30 books in print, she's an Amazon Top 10 author, winner of multiple awards for her work, and has sold over a million copies of her books worldwide in multiple languages. What makes her unique is how the bulk of her revenue comes from independently published stories that she personally and aggressively markets herself. She has become a panel favorite at writers' conferences because of her willingness to share candid details about how she created a profitable career as a best-selling author. Our conversation is a masterclass in constructing the content, the brand, and the support infrastructure to turn a passion into a profession. Yeah, so I grew up wanting to write. I literally, um, I, I always say this, but I was that little girl in like, for my birthday and Christmas, all I wanted was notebooks and pens. Um, I just wanted to be able to write stories. My mom has folders and folders of short stories and poems that I wrote as like a kindergartner, first grader, like as soon as I could start writing words and sentences, that was what I was doing. Um, and I, by fourth grade, I was writing novels. Um, I grew up, <laughs> they weren't very good. <laughs> now, don't get any crazy ideas, but um, I wrote The Life and Times of the Three Potatoes was my first book. Um, and my first, you know, not published <laughs> book. And um, by the time I got to high school, I was writing a book a year and I would bring it to school after summer break and I would have a line of teachers and students waiting to read it. And so what I would do is print it out in like printer paper and I would bring it to school and just like make a list. Um, and I'd cross it off almost like a library list of <laughs> this person's read it and I'd deliver it to the next person. Um, and so it was just always something I wanted to do. I remember my parents were like, you need a backup plan. This is a really big dream. Um, and I just, I didn't want a backup plan. Of course, I ended up having to have one. Um, but it's just always been what I wanted to do. And then um, I graduated, got married. Um, I was still writing, but I wasn't really pursuing it. I didn't know, I had no connections in the industry and no idea how to do it. And um, then I worked, I was working in banking. And there was a guy that I worked with who writes and produces plays um, here in Nashville, where I live. And um, we were talking one day and I said, how did you get started? Like, how did you, you know, find a connection and start doing it? And he was like, I didn't find a connection. I just got tired of writing plays for myself. And I went out and started doing auditions. And I found out how much it would cost to rent out a like auditorium. And I just did it. And it just like lit that fire for me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like if you can do that, I want to do it. And so I just started researching and seeing what it would take to actually put on, uh, put out a book. And um, yeah, a few months later, I was writing the book I wanted to release. And then about a year later, my first novel came out and that was in 2016. And the rest <laughs> is history. How did that first novel find its way into circulation? I started out the way that everyone does. I was approaching agents. Um, you know, getting some, some would want a full, they would want to read it and then they'd reject it or some would just not respond. Um, and I went through that for several months. Um, and then I actually ended up getting contacted by, um, a really small publisher, um, that I'd submitted to and they were really interested. Um, and so they took that book and then two others that I had written at that time. Um, they were just like a little boutique, um, publisher, but I, I, at that point just wanted my books out there. I didn't care. 
Um, and they didn't have a marketing budget or anything, but they were going to publish my book <laughs> and the cover was going to look really cool. <laughs> and um, so I, that happened. So they took my first three and I made no money. Um, the books, you know, I was like, Gillian Flynn has three books and look at her. Like, I'm going to be rich and famous. And that didn't happen. And, um, you know, I think I sold maybe like eight books and they were all to family and friends. And so then I started talking to authors um, who I met through that publisher that had um, independently published their books. And I started, I was like, Hey, I'm not afraid of like the hard work that goes with it. So how do I do this? And I put out my fourth book, um, independently and it's, and I started putting marketing behind it, started really, you know, promoting on social media. And of course it didn't do great either, but it did, um, much better than my other three. And so at that point I was like, okay, I've got a handle on this indie thing. Let me just keep going. And so from there, um, I started um, writing and releasing at the time. I was still working a day job. And so I wasn't releasing consistently, you know, a few here and there. Um, but I just started focusing on that. And then now I own all my books outright. I was able to purchase those books back from that publisher and put them out and um, really just go all in with the indie thing. Um, and last year I signed two more with the more traditional publisher. But um the rest of mine, all I have 35 out, so 33 are indie, and I just love being able to control everything. I love being able to know that all of the successes are mine, but all the failures are mine, and how can I fix that? Um, and yeah, I, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of a control freak, um, but in the beginning, it was really just as simple as trying and failing over and over and figuring out you know, what works with social media, what works with ads, um, and going from there. How did you build volume? Yeah, so my first year, um, I had the three that came out with the publisher. Um, and then the next year was only one. That was the year I had my daughter. So I just released one. Um, and then the next year, it was five. And then the next year, I think it was eight. And then it was eight the next year. And then this last year, it was six. Um, so I've kind of been all over the place. Um, but since I've done the eight, uh, that's when I went full time. And so I've had much more time to focus on writing. Um, but the most I could ever do when I was working a day job and being a mom, all of that was five, but still, which is a ton of books. And yeah, I just, um, I never really had like an ad budget, um, a significant ad budget. I did not come from any kind of money. My mom was, as a teacher, was a teacher and my dad worked for the state. He was a four stranger. And I mean, we were very, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, so I knew that, and when I got married, same thing, we were working day jobs and we had just had our baby and um, we didn't have a lot of money. And so it really came down to, um, I heard this advice when I first started, um, that nothing will sell your next book like your last. Or, I'm sorry, that's backwards. Nothing will sell your last book like your next. And so I thought, well, I don't have an ad budget. I don't have a ton of money to throw into this, but I can write quality books and I can release them. And so that was my like marketing strategy from the beginning was just to continually release and make sure that they were good and that I believed in them. And yeah, that's how, that's how it all started. And I just kept putting new books out and hoping to find my readers. What's the typical length of a Kirsten Modlin book? Yeah. So my book's average 60 to 65,000 words. Um, I have some that are 50,000 and I have some that are 95,000. Um, I really just try to go with where the story takes me, but on, in general, they're about 60,000, which is, you know, on the shorter side. And so that helps, um, as far as numbers <laughs> to the ability to get out more. How long does it take you to write a story? Two weeks for the first draft. 
Um, and then about a month and a half from like idea to book is done and ready to be released. Where do your ideas come from? Um, <laughs> that depends. So I keep a running list on my phone of ideas and some of them are from years ago. Um, some of them are from yesterday. <laughs> so it really, whenever an idea strikes, I will put it in the notes on my phone. And then when it's time to start a new book, I'll sit down and I'll just scroll through the list. Um, it probably has at least 50 ideas on there at this point. And I'll just see which one jumps out at me, see which one I'm most excited about. Sometimes I'm really excited about an idea, but I need to kind of like flesh it out in my head for a while. Um, and so I'll pick a different one. Um, but yeah, it, it really... It really just depends on how excited. Sometimes I think of an idea the day I'm going to start writing, and that's the day that I go with it. Are you a meticulous plotter, or do you fly by the seat of your pants? No, actually, I am a plotter. Um, so when I pick my idea, I'll sit down, and um, usually for about a day, I'll plot the whole book out. Um, I'm very My plots are very lean. They're usually chapter by chapter. Um, but it's like one sentence, <laughs> John meets Sarah, Sarah kills John. That's, you know, that's all that I'm, I'm getting out of my plots because most often um, the outline's going to change anyway. I'll get to chapter three and decide, you know, something way different is going to happen. But I need a general idea of where I'm going um, in order to start writing. So, and I don't change it. If I, if something changes as I write, I don't go back and like re-outline. It just stays what it was. Do you find that your plot sometimes change in the course of creation? Yeah, I just run with it. I don't change anything um, once the plot is written, because then I have my basic, um, you know, idea, my basic roadmap. Um, so then if something changes, I'll still go back and refer to my outline. Well, where was I going to take this? Um, and now with the new changes, how does it fit in? Um, and still, I, so I still use my outline, but I don't go back and re-outline it to make it work with the new one. I just run with it. Once you get that first draft. What happens next? So after the first draft, I read through it and fix everything because another thing that happens is I don't re-edit as I'm writing. Um, so if in chapter three, I decide Sarah is no longer a character, I just stop writing her in there. And then chapters one through three will still have Sarah until I go back and re-edit and, and fix all of that. Um, so a good example of that is I just released a book um, where I decided that halfway through the, the setting was completely different. It was no longer set in a cabin. It was set in an old Victorian manor. And so half of the book was in a cabin and half of it was in a manor until I got finished and I went back and fixed everything. Um, so once it's done, I reread it, I edit it, and then it goes to my beta reader, um, who is another author and my best friend. And so she reads it first. And then I make all the changes that she suggested if I agree with them. Then it goes to my editor for two rounds, back and forth for two rounds. And then to my proofreader for a round and back to me. So it goes through nine rounds of edits total. Um, and then it's ready to be released. It goes to my review team and I just wait to hit publish. And what's the typical timeline from start to finish? About a month and a half to two months, typically. So not very long. We're... I've been with my editor since my fifth book and my proofreader since my 12th. Uh, so we're a well-oiled machine at this point. They know, and I, I get on their schedules um, usually in like October of the year before and I book up for the whole year. Um, and so they know when, when to expect my new books and when I need them back. And we are ve very diligent about staying on schedule and making sure everything runs smoothly. Kirsten Modlin is our guest. She has over 30 books in print and is one of the most successful indie authors writing today. 
keeping track of a book's profitability is as important as writing it. How did you learn that part of the business? Uh, you know, so again, when I first started, the, the costs were, were different. Um, when I first started and I wasn't making money and every single month I was, you know, spending more than I was earning every single book. I was spending more than I was earning. I had to cut back. And so I taught myself how to do my own cover design. I taught myself how to do my own formatting. So basically the only costs that I have are for my editing and my proofreading aside from ads. Um, and so I would say around a thousand dollars is what my like cost now is for, um, all of that from two rounds of edits and proofreading. And yeah, that's, that's, that's my really only cost. Um, just because I'm doing everything else myself. Um, and then obviously ads are a whole different story, but <laughs> I really had to bootstrap a lot of my career from the beginning or I wasn't going to be able to release like I did. Selling any product line necessarily involves advertising. How did you crack that code? Oh man, my my advertising budget is huge, but I, I've worked up to it. So I I don't do a lot of like newsletter swaps. My my marketing goes strictly to ads. Um, and I started out with literally five dollars a day, and I when I would start making ten dollars a day, I would bump it up to ten. My ad budget would go to ten, and then when I was earning twenty, I would bump it up to twenty. Um, at this point, I'm spending a ton of money. Um, With so much content out there, how do you decide where to invest? Um, so I most of my budget goes to my newest release. Um, and then I have some old reliables, um, like The Arrangement, which is my most popular title. It has um, a significant portion of that. Um, and a few others that convert really well. Like I just turned on um, for Halloween, I turned on The Mother-in-Law. Um, that's one that does very well at Halloween time. It's very spooky and eerie. Um, so... That, that that had a little bit of the budget for a while. Um, but yeah, a, a big portion, I would say more than half goes to just one book. And it's usually my most recent release. Your canon is so eclectic. How do you build an audience with such a diverse catalog? So since I don't write series, um, you know, I, it's, it's a little bit harder for me because I can't look at, you know, read through really. Um, but I market in a way that if I, since I don't have a series, my brand is my series. So I'm looking at our readers going through and reading all of my books. I have a book list on my website to kind of encourage them to do that. Um, in the back of each of my books, it says, hey, if you liked this, you know, check out the next one. Um, and so I, I'm really looking at read through of my entire brand, my entire backlist. Um, my ads are not profitable as far as if I look at what I'm spending on one book, I'm not making, you know, double that on, on that book, but over my entire backlist, I am. Um, and so that's really what I look at is if I'm making at least, um, at least more, but hopefully double, um, what I'm spending every day, then I, then I feel good about it. And so that's, that's really just how I look at, you know, is my ad working? Is it profitable? Kirsten Modlin is our guest. K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N-M-O-D-G-L-I-N author.com is her website. Another dimension of your success story is your ability to last. How long did it take before the meaningful royalty checks started to appear? Yeah, for so for the longest time, like I said, I wasn't making enough to cover what what we were spending um, on books, on advertising, and this was you know five or ten dollars a day. This wasn't a huge budget, and I still wasn't making it. Um, I remember I got a check for seventeen cents one month um, from Amazon, <laughs> so I couldn't go to Starbucks on most of my checks for the first four years of my career. Um, and then I started so. The first half of my career, the first four years, 
I was kind of all over the place. I wrote, um, I started with thrillers. I did like a legal thriller, a um, serial killer thriller. I had some romantic suspense. I was just all over, you know, everything had some kind of mystery to it, but there was no real um, lane. And I didn't realize that until I talked to someone in 2019 um, who was kind of looking at my backlist and she said, well, what do you write? It doesn't really seem like you have a lane. And I was like, oh, they're all mystery. It's all suspense. That's my lane. And she was like, that's not a lane. Um, but it took that conversation, that light bulb moment for me to go, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, that's why my books aren't selling because I'm confusing my readers. Um, and so that was in June of 2019. I had just released a psychological thriller. And so I went back at that point and I started looking at the books that were selling and they were all psychological thrillers. They were all that type of book. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like Kirsten, you're, you're so dumb. Why didn't you look at this and see? And so I realized at that point that that was what was wrong, that I wasn't, you know, sticking to my lane. The, the readers that found me and loved me we're not loving all the other, you know, crazy books I was writing. And so at that point, I decided to, you know, pick a lane, stick with it, stick with my psychological thrillers. Um, and so I started releasing more consistently. I started spending more on advertising those books. Um, and then by November of 2019, I was making more than I was making at my day job. Um, not much more, <laughs> but enough that we were like, okay, you know, um, you can stay home. We're not going to pay daycare. We're not going to, you know, pay gas for you to get to work every day. So like you can stay home and we'll just make it work. What's the worst that can happen? And so we were really relying on my husband's income, but because most of my money was going back into advertising at that point. Um, and then March of 2020 happened and my husband got laid off because of COVID. And so we went from three incomes to one and it was not enough to cover anything. Um, if I was going to still advertise like I wanted. But what I saw was that things were shifting and that every month I was making more and more and each of my ads were becoming more and more profitable. And so at that point, I had spent that year because I was finally home and working um, full time as a writer. I could release every every month um, for the whole first half of 2020. Um, and at that point, by June of 2020, when it was time for my husband to go back, I was making more than either um, than both of us, our old incomes combined. And so I was like, why don't you just stay home and help me? You can, you know, watch our daughter, take care of her, but then you can help with like the business side of things. And that was the turning point really was just, you know, figuring out that light bulb moment of you're not in a lane and that's what's wrong. Um, and then implementing that and putting in the work and getting my butt in a seat every day and writing the words and releasing consistent books. And that's, it's as simple and complicated as that, I guess. The advertising world and social media is constantly in flux, but take us a little deeper into your current ad strategy. Yeah. So, um, I use Facebook and Amazon. Those are my two and, and Instagram too, cause it's part of the Facebook. Um, those are my two like advertising. I, like I said, I don't do, you know, anything with newsletters really. I don't, I do book bubs occasionally. Um, but that's really it. And so I focus up until this year, my biggest portion of my budget has gone to Amazon. Amazon has been my bread and butter. Um, that's really what I do. And I do, you know, not to get too technical, but I do category ads. I do the auto ads. Um, and then I do plain keyword ads. And I know, um, you know, what keywords convert at this point for me. I've, I've run enough ads that I, I know which ones work. Um, so I do all of that on Amazon. Um, this year, for whatever reason, Amazon has decided they don't like me as much. My ads are just not working. 
um, as well on there. So I've switched um, to Facebook and I'm, I used to use Facebook as kind of like when I ran a sale or at, like I said, Halloween, when I want to really promote the mother-in-law for a spooky Halloween read, um, that was really the only time I used Facebook. But um, this year it's been working so well for me that I've just really put um, I would say 80% of my budget to Facebook, which I know is the exact opposite of what every other author says this year. Um, but I think part of it is that I've really saturated Amazon. I've run, you know, ads there and such big ads for a long time. Um, you know, part of me thinks that maybe I've just overdone it on there. I need to kind of let it have a cool off period. Um, but I also think I'm, I'm hitting a market with Facebook that I haven't been advertising to. Um, and so that's been really great too. And um, I've, I've taken a bunch of uh, Facebook courses to learn how to do it. I took Mal Cooper's um, course. She's amazing. Um, I've, I've listened to her speak at, at Inker's Con and um, 20 books. And um, so I, I've picked up a lot there. I try to do like the creative dynamic where Facebook will basically, I don't know if I'm getting too technical. <laughs> so basically the way Mal, Mal describes it is you put like a bunch of different um, graphics and then a bunch of different copies. So like the text part. And then you just let Facebook, you click a button that says creative dynamic and Facebook will say like, hey, Jim is more likely to click on ads with blue graphics. So we're going to show him the blue graphic. And, you know, Karen is more likely to click on ads with short text. So we're going to show and like Facebook has all this data and they know how to use it. And so I just let that work. Um, I've also taken courses where they say not to use a ton of keywords on Facebook. Um, but for whatever reason, when I was doing that, my ads would always go into creative fatigue and, and then my um, cost per click would go way high. And so um, this year at Nink, I was talking to somebody, um, the Nink writing conference in, in Florida, down there by you. And uh, I was talking to someone and they said that you should use a ton of keywords um, because that will help that creative fatigue not happen. And so since I've made that change, it's really helped me too. So that's in a nutshell how I do my Facebook ads. And like I said, they've been working. And I think probably what I'll do going forward is just switch back and forth. When Facebook slows down working, I'll go back to Amazon for a while um, and just kind of play around with both. And, and like I said, I do Instagram too, but um, I don't know that it really works. Like it's worth turning on, I think, but I think Facebook is what converts for me the most. You've invested a lot of effort into understanding what works on your marketing platforms but it feels like you have also learned who your target audience is and what they want to read. Exactly. Yeah. People call my thrillers popcorn thrillers. So they're the type that you want to read, you know, they're very short, they're bingeable. Um, and so you really just have to find your niche, you know, figure out who your reader is and where they're shopping um, and, and go there. You know, I, I, for the longest time thought that my reader demographic was, um, readers that were 55 plus because I was running ads on Facebook and that was what the demographic information was telling me. Um, but then I started doing really well on TikTok and suddenly my reader demographic changed. And so suddenly I'm seeing readers that are 16 and 20 and 30. And so it's really all over the place. So I think, A, you need to know who your ideal reader is and where they are. But I think you shouldn't limit yourself and think, well, my readers are only on Facebook. Um, because I felt like that for a long time that, you know, my reader only, they're only this type of person and they're only on Facebook. Um, but really getting on Instagram and TikTok has changed that. Um, and so I found new readers that I wasn't trying to find before um, and I didn't know how to find. And so I think that that's just really important, too, is not limiting yourself um, to feeling like this is, you know, who my reader is and where they are. 
um, I think try different things and see, see what works. Kirsten Modlin, a true example of an author who not only understands how to write stories that attract readers, but who has invested in the art and science of the sales process to grow her love for the craft into a profitable and rewarding business. Learn more about Kirsten at Kirsten Modlin Author, K-I-E-R-S-T-E-N-M-O-D-G-L-I-N Author.com. Authors on the Air with Terry Shepard is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Lisa Davis. Join Terry in the next chapter for Authors on the Air.